Welcome to the Wounds of the Faithful podcast, brought to you by DSW Ministries. Your host is singer, songwriter, speaker, and domestic violence advocate, Diana Winkler. She is passionate about helping survivors in the church heal from domestic violence and abuse and trauma. This podcast is not a substitute for professional counseling or qualified medical help. Now, here is Diana. Hey, everybody. How's it going today? It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Thank you so much for being with us today, showing up and whatever you're doing when you're listening to this, working or jogging or working in your garden or doing the dishes or sewing, woodworking. It's all good. Each week, I work very hard to get you the guests that will be a blessing to you and your healing journey. Today, I've got a story of brokenness and redemption. Today, we have John German on the show. Had a wonderful conversation with him. He has a new book out, Broken and Redeemed. And let me tell you a little bit more about him. John Jarman is a U.S. Marine Corps veteran who served during Operation Desert Storm and holds a Master of Science in Physical Education Athletic Administration from Ohio University. Thank you, John, for your service. I have to stick that in there. After coaching and teaching for 17 years, John transitioned to a career in the fitness industry. John started his own company, Summit Strength and Conditioning, and was the owner and operator for seven years until the COVID-19 pandemic hit. Now, John is the fitness director at Thorcrest Golf Club in Washington State, where he specializes in golf-specific training. He is also continuing in his pursuit of a Master of Theology at Faith International University and is involved in men's discipleship in his local church in Tacoma, Washington. He's a member of the SPA. He is also a member of the National Alliance on Mental Illness. So John is a survivor of some childhood abuse, and so we're going to hear his story and how he overcame that terrible part of his life. So here we go, my conversation with John Jarman. Okay, please welcome John Jarman to the show. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thanks for having me. I appreciate you uh, reaching out. And uh, I thought your story was very inspirational and what you do. And I usually ask guests to start off with you know, something from their childhood. But let's let's back up here and let's talk about something fun. <laughs> we talk about dark stuff and right. let's talk about your family and something fun and some hobbies you like to do. We'll do that first. Okay. Well, um, I'm, I'm single. I have don't, no children. Um, and so currently I work at a private golf club as a fitness director. And so I do personal training and, um, I was able to get that job after being a member at that club. And so, uh, the best part of that, uh, job is now I get to play golf and don't have to pay for it. Or actually, <laughs> actually I get paid to play golf. So, so that's, that's probably, that was the best benefit from the job. So that's where I'm at. And you know, the right now that's probably my biggest hobby. I used to be a football coach and PE teacher um, at the high school and collegiate level. And then I got into the personal training when I left the teaching. So I still wanted to work in my field and my degree. And so this was a way to, uh, to do that. And 
to still help people, you know, stay fit and, and, you know, meet their fitness goals and that type of stuff. So, which helps with their mental health too, because if you're in good shape and you know, you have better mental health. So. Absolutely. So, oh, so golf, we, we talked about yeah. before we went on here that, um, Arizona, we've got lots of golf courses yep. <laughs> and they're expensive. We've got PGA here every year. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll actually be down, uh, your neck of the woods in May. I'm going down to visit some high school friends who live in the area and we're going to, uh, we're going to go to the, for King of Country concert on May 5th. And then we're doing a book launch party down there for the for the book so oh that sounds great that sounds like fun king and country is an awesome awesome band yeah i love i love their music so yeah um i don't know if may is going to be um it's going to be hot in may (laughs) yeah that's all right i love the heat i'm not a i'm i'm a i'm a heat guy the cold really doesn't do me well so (laughs) it'll be probably 105 oh that's perfect so when i was in the marine corps i lived in the mojave desert in 29 palms for three and a half years so i got used to that i by the time i was done with my tour there the the heat didn't bother me so wow um the last time we drove through the mojave desert um my mom got heat stroke this was in the middle of the summer Mm-hmm. So that was my taste of the Mojave Desert. But I have some pastors um, that are diehard golfers that they'll play in the middle of 118 degrees. <laughs> I like those guys. <laughs> yeah, well, they say, well, nobody's out there. And, yep. and the two yep. times are really cheap. Yep. Me, not so much. I, <laughs> I stay in the house. <laughs> so we're going to transition here into uh-huh. your story. Yeah. And so... We, we start with your childhood, but you have no memory of your childhood up to age 12. Yeah, very, very little. You know, I can look at pictures, and but there's not there's not too much. Um, and, you know, my first recollection of home life is just violence. Um, my dad was a very abusive alcoholic. And uh, at the age 12, which is kind of where the memory starts, is, is was, you know, pulling a knife out of the drawer and telling him if he didn't stop beating my mom, I would kill him. And, you know, he left that night. And so, and growing up, I really didn't think that I was part of that abuse. Um, I kind of put a coat of armor on, I guess, and and thought I escaped it. It wasn't until I was in counseling up here in Seattle that, that I really started looking at, you know, the evidence and all that stuff and found out that, you know, yes, indeed, I was a, a victim of it. And, you know, it took me 10 years of counseling to, to get free of it. So when, when, when did that happen? Uh, the counseling? When did you, when did you figure out, you know, Hey, um, I um, to- so I moved back home in 05. I moved back up here to Washington and, and I started seeing a, um, I had a self-destructive pattern in my life and I didn't recognize it until I moved back home. And I just saw, you know, I saw things start to to happen again. And I was like, I can't lose this job I got, you know, and, and, and I just was like, I got to do something about it. And so I went, I just Googled uh, counseling here in, in Tacoma. And by the grace of God, Christina was taking clients and we worked for 10 years together. And with the work I did with her and my spiritual mentor, who I found later, um, I was able to overcome you know, the, the shame, the guilt, the, all the bitterness and you know, everything that goes along with, with abuse and, and actually become free of it. And uh, when I walked out of her office on that day and sat down in my car, I just went, wow, the world, the weight of the world felt like it was lifted off my shoulders. And I walked back in and I said, Christine, I'm not coming back. And she goes, what do you mean? I said, 
I'm free, <laughs> you know, and we stay in touch, but I, you know, I don't, you know, I haven't been back there in a couple of years. So. So you discovered all this stuff at yep. 40, I think you say? Yeah, it was, it was around 40, you know, it was late mid forties, you know, so. That's a long time to deal yeah. with that yeah. kind of trauma. Yeah. Well, I had surgery on my arm, my left arm for osteomyelitis. At least that's what they say I had surgery. But then I started looking at that because I have three massive scars on my arm. And, um, you know, I just believed what I was told. But then I started researching how that disease is, you know, how you get that. And there's only two ways, and it's a severe case of pneumonia or, or a compound fracture. So then I started looking at the hospitals in, in and around Fort Smith where I was born, um, and, you know, obviously 1964, there was only a couple hospitals, so it didn't take me too long. Um, but none of the hospitals had any records of me being in the hospital. Um, one hospital said that their microfilm warehouse caught fire and they lost half the records. So it could be in there, but the other two hospitals have no record of me being in the hospital at all. And then I asked my only surviving uncle at the time, because as I was inve investigating, I only had one uncle left that was living, my mom's brother. And I asked him if he knew about it back then. And he said no. And, you know, I just found that kind of odd, you know, that, you know, two major surgeries on an eight month old baby. I think the family would know about it. So, yeah, that's a huge red yeah. flag. So, you know, and so we just, you know, I, and then I went on this quest because I wanted to know what happened. And, you know, Christine and I looked at this and, uh, you know, there was a there was a time when we were really searching for it. And um, we had a very demonic experience in her office. And then I chose not to seek it out anymore because I just figure if God wants me to know, he'll reveal it. Well, I can't just leave that there. <laughs> <laughs> so, what does that mean? Uh, de de well, demonic experience. So so I tell people all the time, if you believe in, if you believe in Christ, you have to believe in the other side. You know, you have to believe in the dark side and the, in the demonic spirits that are out there. I mean, Paul says in Ephesians that, you know, we're in a, we're in a warfare with spiritual warfare. So we were, we were in her office and it was a summer day, bright, sunny day here in, in the area. And, uh, we, we have a little bit different recollections of the account. My account is I was on the sofa getting ready to do some memory recovery. And um, as we got into it, all of a sudden I felt two hands on my chest and I could feel all 10 fingers pressing me down and I couldn't get up. And I'm a fairly big guy and, and you know, I've worked out my whole life. So, and, and I couldn't move and it felt like the room got really dark and the air was sucked out of it. Mm -hmm. And then Christine, after we, after she got me out of it, her version was she felt like the room expanded and then whatever spirit was in there told her that if we kept going, it would take her. And so that's when I said, you know, we're done because I don't want to risk, I didn't want to risk her safety. So uh, were you a Christian at the time? Um, yes. Yep. 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 And I was actually, and then that's when I found my spiritual mentor. Cause I went to my church my, that I was attending and I talked to the pastor about it and he goes, well, we've got a guy on staff who deals with deliverance ministry and, and that. And so that's when I met Scotty Kessler and he started mentoring me. And, and that's where my faith really started to take off because we worked on some prayer plans to release the strongholds that I had and, and all that stuff. And it could be some generational sin. My dad was adopted, so we don't know his background beyond. All I know is he was born in Kansas City, Missouri. And we don't, I, I've never found his birth parents because back when in the 50s, they actually put my grandparents' name on his birth certificate because uh, he was adopted as a baby. And so we there's no record of who his parents really were. So, mm. so. Are you yeah, still and, and, with you? Pardon me? Are your parents still with us? No, unfortunately, I, 2003, I lost my dad. 2008, I lost my mom. And then 
uh, nine years ago, I lost one brother. And then seven years ago, I lost my other brother. I have, you know, I have my little brother. My little brother's still with us, um, but he's my only surviving relative of my immediate family. So that's terrible. Yeah, it's been it's been a lot of loss. And, and you know, so and I'm just glad that I had the people around me at the time that I did. So, so when did you come to know the Lord for for real? For real wasn't until um, I started working with Scotty Kessler. And then, and I say that I started really understanding how to have a relationship, but I was still not walking the right path. Um, you know, and, and so I wasn't truly abiding by the word. Um, that really didn't take place until 2016. Um, I was going through, um, I owned a personal training studio. Um, we were struggling in business. Um, I just, uh, a young lady I was dating for four years in a truly biblical relationship. We, we ended up having to break up because her kids weren't fond of the relationship and we, you know, we prayed and prayed about it, but it never changed. So we just finally decided to, to part ways. And so that happened. Then my sister-in-law, my little brother's wife was, was in the hospital about in, and not doing well and with kidney failure. So she was about to pass away. And so I'm in the middle of this massive storm. And so I just, one more that morning on November 16th, I, I was awoken at about three 30 for some reason. And I just, you know, I walked out into my living room and I just, where I pray and I just, I fell on the ground and I started praying and I said, I can't do it anymore. I'm done. You, I'm giving you all control. You have everything. I'm emptying my heart. You take over and I'm going to trust you. And from that day on being able to see what God did in my life and the evidence of that, and, and then looking back on my life and seeing where he was when I wasn't with him and when, when I wasn't walking properly, you know, that, that was a game changer. And so that, that makes it pretty easy now to just, you know, let him take over because I've seen, I've seen the work he's done. Well, you know, I, I don't know what the verse is, but there's a passage in the Bible that talks about, you know, if you have an empty, empty space that you swept out, if you don't fill it with the Lord, the devil's going to fill it. Yeah. That's it's It's in the, one of the synoptic gospels. <laughs> you can fill go- it. Yeah. And it was yep. in the gospels yep. where yep. a man yep. had been possessed by a demon. Yes. And it's, Took out the demon, but didn't fill it with the Lord. Right. Didn't fill it with the Lord. I believe it says in that verse, if you don't fill it with the Lord, it comes back 70 times worse. (laughs) Yes. The legion will show up. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And uh, take root. So, Mm -hmm. so it's really great to hear that. Yeah. You had that, that spiritual demonic oppression with Christine there. But you realize I better fill my life with Jesus or <laughs> well, if it wasn't not going to go you know, away. Yeah. If it wasn't for Scotty Kessler, that probably wouldn't have happened. So Scotty, Scotty, between the two of them, they say that's that's who really saved me and, and brought me to the to where I'm at in my faith and, and spirituality. So. so we can kind of talk about salvation here. I mean, can somebody think that they're basically a good person and only somewhat broken, but they still need redemption? Oh, I think everybody's broken uh, to some extent um, because we're born into this uh, because of what took place in the garden. So I think, you know, whether you've been a Christian all your life, you know, there's still some brokenness in there. There's still some, you know, I, I tell people, even me, you know, I still make mistakes. It's just, you know, my favorite saying is, I still sin, but I sin less because you start, you start to see the path, you see things and you can you know, change your mind and and be able to stop the temptation from becoming a sin where before it didn't happen because the thought would happen, then it's temptation, then it becomes a sin. And so, you know, you start to realize what those things are and how to, and how to counter 
fight them with with prayer and, and meditation. So so I think yes, everybody everybody does need to be redeemed. It's a to me it's a daily thing. Um, you know, Paul says that we have to renew our mind and our heart. And to me that's a that's a daily process. That's one of you know, I'm I, that's one of the things I pray about every morning is to re- renew my mind to to the Lord for this day. Um, because that keeps me fresh. Yeah, you and me both, brother. I mm-hmm. I definitely still sin. Yeah. Probably got listeners that feel, well, I got saved back here, but I still sin. And, you know, and you feel guilty about it. Yeah. The Lord tells us when we're, we're not doing what we're supposed to do, but we have that grace where we can come to, to God with, right. with our sin and he wipes it off the slate. Right. Well, one of my favorite authors, A.W. Tozer, and I'm going to paraphrase this because I'm probably not going to quote it exactly how he (laughs) says it in his book, but he's talking just about that, you know, and when you when you fall or you sin and you feel guilty, it's, you know, repent, pray and then move on because Mm -hmm. that's and and try not to do it again. And that's where I say it's 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 a sinless approach because now you've seen what took place. So when it starts to happen again, you know how to handle it better. And so that's, that's where the sanctification in your walk comes. And and we're never going to be perfect until we go home, but we can strive for, for that. And so that we sin less. So. Yeah. For me, I think it's have short accounts with the Lord. If, if I know that I've sinned, like for example, against my husband here, mm-hmm. I take care of that right away. And with habitual sin, if I feel like I'm, in a habitual sin, then I really need to go and get help. Yep. Yep. What do you think is the most important aspect in developing a, a true relationship with God? Two things. One, I think you need daily prayer and reading. Um, and two is a self-examination. Um, it says in Psalm, David says in Psalms, God search my heart for anything that's not of you and get and remove that. And that's the self-examination. And that's the hard part of Christianity because it, you have to look into yourself and then you're going to see some things that aren't pretty. And then you get, then you have to for, forgive the people who may have caused that or go to the people who you've hurt and ask them for forgiveness. And that's, that's the messy side of Christianity. Um, you know, one of my, another author I, I read a lot is AJ Swoboda. He's, he's a Northwest uh, doctor of theology. And uh, you know, he says that Christianity is messier after you come. To Jesus because because of this because you have to search that soul you know he said it's easy to see evil in the world but it's when you have to look in your heart mm-hmm. and find the evil in your heart then you know and that was that was the hard part for me is because I had some transgressions and you know I won't go into details on them because I don't want to hurt anybody but um, you know that was the hard part because I had to really examine examine those and somebody asked the question about the book what was the hardest part to write in the book. And it was about those transgressions to put enough information that people reading it would understand it was a massive mistake on my part, but yet not putting enough information to open the wounds of the people that that were affected. And so that was the toughest part of the book and the toughest part of my healing, to be honest. So to answer your question, I think you need self-examination, daily prayer and reading because you have to have that connection. You have to understand what the word is saying and you have to, you have to understand who you are in Christ. And the only way to do that is to read the Bible. One of my favorite sayings this year, I read somebody sent this to me, I think through social media, but it's my 2022 saying it's, if you believe everything you read, why aren't you reading the Bible? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Read it for yourself. Exactly. Exactly. I've got too many people Mm -hmm. in my advocacy group. They, they only hear the Bible when they go to church and the preacher tells them 
Right. You know, the particular passage they're they're talking about mm-hmm. that Sunday. You need to get in yep. the word yourself. Yep. Yep. Now you talked about surrendering. Mm-hmm. That's a big buzzword in the Christian circles, surrendering your life to Christ. And mm-hmm. I mean, what does that really mean? <laughs> well, for me, it was it was the biggest thing that I held on to for a long time in my walk was was the control. Because, I mean, growing up the way I did, 12 years old, I pull a knife out of my drawer, threatening to kill my dad. So, I mean, that's that. I mean, right there, I'm on that path of control. <laughs> and then, then I go. And, you know, I went into, you know, I started selling drugs and I did some stuff that I wasn't, you know, back in high school and everything. I go into the Marine Corps. So now I'm in a, in a situation where, yes, I have to take orders, but I'm also in control of other people. And then I go to become, then I go to a football coach. So there's a lot of stuff in there, but what happened is it would spill over into my uh, personal life as well. And, you know, when I started walking in Christ, people would say, well, John, it's God's timing. And I'm like, no, I don't like God's timing. I want John's timing. <laughs> and, you know, so, so, you know, yeah, I'm praying, but you know, he's not, you know, and I'm telling him what to do rather than, you know, and so, you know, that to me, that's, that was my biggest thing was I had to give up wanting things in my time and, and, and wanting things that I thought were best for me. And, instead of letting God lead me and which, uh, which I, which I do now, I mean, it's, it's so much easier to just pray and, and not worry about anything and just let him take control of the path because that's what, that's what led to this book. So. Not wanting our way. Yeah. That's yeah. the underlying yeah. Yeah. our flesh, what our flesh wants right now. <laughs> but I still think, you know, giving up control, it comes back to giving up your life. You know, everybody's, situation what they have to give up is going to be different i think for everybody because you know for me i don't there's some friends i don't hang out with anymore because they don't you know they're not christian and they do things that isn't biblically acceptable so you lose some friends you could lose friends you could you know you might have to change jobs so the level of sacrifice is is different i think for people it, some people it could just be not watching tv because you know the clutter on tv um so it's it's it depends on where you're at and your strongholds and that type of stuff i think and and i think each person's is their own has their own individual set of things that they're going to have to surrender yeah i would definitely say giving up control is is hard i don't like yep. being out of control of my life well, and uh, how do you get over that hurdle well for me it's it was just seeing the evidence of god in my life and and you know when i started praying so i'll give you an example i was praying when i when i lost my business in 2020 because of covid you know i'm praying for certain things that, you know, I felt was important on my heart. And as we're closing, I had an investor give me a call and out of the blue, it was a $30,000 debt. And he calls me and he goes, John, I'm, you don't have to pay me back. And I went, what? And so that's not even, it wasn't even on my radar and I'm going, okay, so I was praying for this and doing this and doing what I needed to do. And God took care of that for me without even me asking. That's the way I look at that. And when you see stuff like that, it's easy to, you know, and then going through the process of this book, and I'll, I'll talk about that here in a little bit is how I, how the book came about is just going through that process and seeing God's hand in it. It's easy now to just go, it's your, it's, it's all in your hands and I'm letting you, and I'm just, I'm just a pawn on the chess table of your, and take me where you want me to go. So, and I also learned that from Scotty Kessler because Scotty and I, in our relationship, we, you know, about three, 
about two years ago, he calls me and he goes, Hey John, I'm moving to, to Nebraska. And I'm like, what, why are you doing that? He goes, the Holy spirit told me I needed to be in Nebraska and we're moving. So, I mean, boom, just like that. No question to ask. Boom. He's gone. And he's in there doing, and he's doing sports ministry and some discipleship stuff down in Nebraska. And, and it's, it's just been a blessing for him because that's where God told him he had to go, you know? And so when you have a mentor like that and you see that, you know, it starts to become a little easier, but you have to have, you have to have eyes, you know, you have to have eyes to see. Um, and I think, the veil for some people is is hidden because of you know if they're holding on to bitterness or if they haven't forgiven you know all those things block the vision to God and, and your relationship with Him. So I, I just think that's amazing that He has that close of a relationship and sensitivity mm-hmm. to the Holy Spirit that He would just immediately know what to do. Yep. Yep. I definitely would like to <laughs> reach that point in my spiritual yep. walk. So I really want to talk about mental health counseling because, you know, with lockdown and everything, everybody wants that mental health counseling. It's been a, um, I don't want to say pandemic, but... Oh, I'd say a pandemic of depression. I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot more people with depression, you know, suicide rates are up. It's, you know, the isolation from being quarantined as long as we were, I think that caused a lot of the depression and, and stuff. And so definitely a, an issue. The problem is I don't think there's enough counselors out there that can handle the demand right now. Good counselors mm-hmm. anyway. What, mm-hmm. I have to ask you about mm-hmm. these apps and these counseling by app or counseling on Zoom. I mean, is it the same? You know, I didn't have to counsel on Zoom, but I think if you, if you, if you had, I think it would be harder to start on Zoom. I mean, if Christine and I were still seeing each other and we had to go to Zoom, I think it would have been okay for me. It wouldn't have been as good, I don't think, but it would have been it would have been enough to keep me going. But to start on that, I think it's a little more difficult because you, you have to build a trust with a counselor. And, and you know, your first counselor might not be the right person. Um, you know, I, I was with three different counselors over the course of my life and Christine was the best. And so, I you know, again, it was just it was a God thing for me that I found her. And I, I think it would be an, an app. I would probably not even recommend that because you're not going to get you know, you got to have a lot of self-discipline to do your work if you're going to run off an app for, for mental health counseling. So, yeah, I just read an article the other day about that's why I'm asking. There was um, I don't want to name any names. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to get sued. <laughs> I'm <I'd> <laughs> I anybody to... out. But there was a particular app where you had access to your your counselor, um, you know, every day during the week. Mm. I thought, Boy, that's really hard to sustain. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I've, I mean, I didn't even know there were counseling apps out there. So, you know, that, that, when you said that, that's what, that was news to me. And I just think that would be very difficult um, because, you know, you're going to counseling because you got, you need help. And if you don't have really, like I said, I think it would call it, you'd have to have really good self-discipline. So. Mm. So somebody that wants to go and get mental health counseling, mm-hmm. I mean, what are the benefits besides um, talking to somebody? Well, I think it's it's the fact that you can go in and be transparent and not have to worry about judgment um, if you have the right counselor, because there's no judgment, there's no condemnation, and you're able to speak whatever you want to speak. Um, you're going to see, you know, for me, it was getting a different perspective sometimes of what I was thinking and feeling. You know, it sheds a different light, and so you kind of start thinking a little differently, you know, didn't agree with everything all the time, but it still sheds that different light. Um so I think that's really the benefit is is you have a place 
where you can go and, and be you, especially for me. Cause I, I, you know, I put an armor on and I didn't let mm-hmm. anybody in, mm-hmm. you know, I'll share a little story. I, I, I have a group of people that I, that are on my book launch team. And one of them is my high school girlfriend. And cause we're still friends. And she read the book. She read the manuscript early because, uh, you know, we're trying to promote it and everything. And, uh, she, she calls me and goes, John, I didn't know half of this. And we dated for three years in high school and after. And I said, mm-hmm. I didn't let you in. I, I put a wall up and I didn't let anybody in because we're growing up for me. I didn't have any example of love. It was violence. It was yelling, screaming. There was no love in my house to, to where I could go. Oh, that's what a relationship's supposed to look like. I didn't learn that until, you know, I can truly love now. Um, and I didn't learn that for a long time. So well, a lot of people, especially in the, the Christian world, we're told to go to our pastor first. Mm-hmm. And my experience with counseling with the church has been a very negative one. We get that judgment. We get the the Bible verses shoved down our throats. Um, and we knew, really just needed somebody to, to listen and we needed Correct. a safe place, right? Right. So what would you say about that? Well, I, I think if you have some strongholds like I did, I think you need a spiritual mentor. Um, it doesn't necessarily need to be a pastor. Um, I think you just find somebody who's more mature in their faith than you are, that you trust and, and, and they can hold you accountable. I think the problem with a lot of pastors is, is they get that stage presence going and they forget their mission um, is to help people. And so I, you know, I had that issue with the pastor at one of my churches. And, and so, you know, we as a church, because the church is the people and we as a church need to need to come back to be more loving to our neighbor. I mean, the greatest, that's one of the commandments Jesus gave us before he left is love your neighbor as yourself. And and the church needs to come back to that. And so do the, you know, there's Christians out there that need to have that too. So, yeah, but I think you need as a Christian, I think you need both, you know, if you can find a Christian therapist, awesome. Dina was not, um, but she respected my Christianity. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, that was a good thing because she was open to that. So, yeah, I have to say that a lot of our, our abuse survivors, the ones that are listening, mm-hmm. they were not given any mental health uh, services at all. They didn't believe in mental health. Uh, there's no, you know, if, if you have anxiety, that's a sin. If you are depressed, well, that's a sin. They're, they're not told to go see a doctor for medication. They're not told, um, you know, hey, you're just going through a rough time. Let's Let's help you. They're not referred to a professional counselor who is licensed Right. And they have the HIPAA, you know, the privacy yep. stuff. Right. Uh, and unfortunately, the pastoral counseling or the Christian counseling somehow gets around to the church that this person was in counseling. So when you say that we need both, I would agree we need both. You do need you need yeah. somebody that understands I mean, the spiritual aspect. You know, I tried I tried to get my brother Steve to go to counseling because, I mean, he, my oldest brother, he grew up in the same household. So he had the same issues. And, and his reply was, I don't want to go to counseling. People think I'm crazy. And I said, Steve, you are crazy. I'm crazy. <laughs> you know, don't worry about that. You know, and, and that's one of the things that, you know, I, I joined. Um, it's called, it's the National Alliance of Mental Illness. And I work with the Pierce work with the Pierce County chapter because um the mental health laws in the state of Washington are really bad. <laughs> and so I'm trying to help them legislate and get some of the RCWs changed so it makes it a little easier for people to get mental health. But it's the stigma around it. And, mm-hmm. and you know, because 
somehow in our society, we got to break that stigma that it's okay to go get counseling. It's not, you're crazy. It's getting you healthy. It's like, it's like being sick and not going to a doctor. You know, if you, if your appendix is about to burst and you don't go to the doctor, it's going to kill you. Well, mental health is the same way because stress from mental health can put you in the hospital. It Mm -hmm. did me. And I went to a hospital, you know, it put me in the hospital. So, you know, it's, it's, it's needed. Um, and, and, with somehow, some way, we got to release the stigma of people going. And, and I would say to your listeners, if, you know, if they're contemplating it, go, um, because it, it'll be the best step you make. What about those people that say, just give it all to God? Well, it, it, I gave it all to God, but I still went to a counselor for 10 years. <laughs> but I think he helped me through it. You know, he placed the counselor in front of me, um, you know, and, and so, you know, you that's where your faith has to come in and, and you can still give it to God. Um, I think because as you go through your counseling, you have peel. As Christina said, we peel away the onion and that inner part's the stinkiest part. Well, when you get there, you're going to need God because you're going to need some prayer um, because it's going to be a little bit ugly. And so, you you know, you, you that's where you give it to God, but you can still use the counselor to get to that point. So, I, I you know, it's it's a combination for me. So we talked a lot. About a lot of stuff today. Um, did, yeah. did, did I leave anything out? Was there anything that you wanted to talk about that I didn't mention? You know, it's, it's, I don't think so. I mean, you did, you know, the, I would ask you the same thing if, the, if, if there's something else you wanted me to discuss. I mean, it's, it's, a, you know, my, my story and my path was, was guided by the Holy Spirit. And, you know, without Christina and Scotty, I wouldn't be here. You know, I guess I'll talk to you a little bit real quickly about how the book came about in Mm -hmm. 2014. Chris, Christina told me I needed to write a book. So my counselor said, John, you need to write a book. And I I laughed at her because, you know, I was like, my story's not that important. You know, no one's going to read. And so I kind of talked to a few friends and they said, yeah, John, you need to write a book about this. So I started outlining the book. I found a person at the church who was a writer. Um, I was going to hire her as a ghostwriter, but she started helping me outline when we got about the first five chapters done. And I just, I didn't feel right about continuing. And so I just put the zip drive up on a shelf and I left it there. And it wasn't until a year ago this month that the Holy Spirit kicked me in the seat of the pants to finish the book. And I said, okay, I'll, I'll write for two, two hours a day. I was about ready to go on a trip to, to the Gulf of Mexico last February and visit some football players that I used to coach down South. And uh, so I started writing. I get up two hours in the morning every day and write sitting on the patio, looking at the Gulf of Mexico Um, and came back. I was down there for a week, came back. And in three weeks after my return, I kept doing two hours a day and the book was done. So it it finished itself in four weeks. Um, And then I was, yeah, well, it was just a dump. And, you know, that's where I said it's spirit led. Then I, I talked to my, I talked to Scotty and I asked him if he knew anybody that could help me edit the book. And he happened to work with my editor um, in prayer ministry and then on a book that his current wife had written. And so he put me in contact with Arlene and we started working in March on the editing of the book. And then in September, I was picked up by Morgan James and here we are. And one more month, I'll have the book in my hand. So it's been, and to watch God's hand in all of this, you know, it's just been, it's just been amazing. Um, You know, the, the, publishing company three or four extra days in the book and theological review um because because the book and and once arlen heard that she knew that they were going to accept the book so um it was very pleasing and humbling to hear that and so it's um that's that's kind of how the book came well that is how the book came about so, so. wow interesting I, yeah 
I, yeah. uh, I'm told all the time, you need to write a book. And I'm like, in the same way, I'm like, well, no one's going to be interested in my book. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I don't really have yeah. that great of a story, but yeah. that isn't true. Everybody's story is unique and interesting exactly. and different. Yeah. How yeah. you healed and how I healed are two totally different journeys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So your and, story and, is going to bless somebody that's listening today. Yeah. Hey, I'm I hope so. That too. I hope so. So, so, but yeah, and and I did make amends with my dad. I, I when I was in the Marine Corps, I, I went over. He went. He didn't know I was coming. I went over, knocked on his door. He opened the door. I punched him in the mouth, and he got up, wiped the blood off his lip, and said, "Let's go have a beer and talk." And from that moment on, we were we we had a great relationship till he passed. And so, because he told me everything, and I told him exactly how I feel. We were totally honest. We. You know, and so, you know, there was a, you know, that was, I'm glad that that happened. Um, I'm glad that he didn't want to fight me because he's a pretty big guy. It would have been a, it would have been a pretty good fight. <laughs> so, but. I think you definitely had the shock value going for you. Yeah, there. I did. I did have the shock value. That's what I, you know, I, I did use the surprise factor, but, you know, I don't recommend that as a way to seek forgiveness. Um, it's just because, you know, that's, I was angry, you know, and that's what I did. So, but, uh but we did reconcile our relationship and, and we had a good relationship until he passed. So well, thanks so much for sharing yeah. that. I, I didn't put that on my list of questions, but um, I usually leave that up to folks who yeah. sound too nosy, but. <laughs> well, no pun intended, but I'm an open book. So. <laughs> <laughs> <I'm pumped>. yeah. <laughs> so my husband's a drummer all the time. Yeah. So, but the, the book will be out. Uh, if I can say the book will be out on eBooks, uh, April 5th. Um, it's available at any bookstore, uh, online, Amazon, uh, coming in April 16th. You can pre-order right now, or you could go to my website and order the book from there. So, and you have your website. Yeah. Uh, it's brokenandredeemed.com. So you can go in there and, and see your book. Yeah, yep. can't wait to read it. I haven't read it yet. Yeah, but. and and all the the podcasts that I'm on, I as soon as you send me the link, I'll add that to my list so that people can listen to this podcast and the other podcasts I've been on. So yeah, I appreciate you coming on the show. This oh, my has been pleasure. amazing, and hearing your story and what you do with with your ministry, your your book, how that's come along and manifested so quickly. Definitely a God thing. Yep. But definitely keep in touch. Oh, I will. And Lord and watch watch you. for the book. Watch for the book next month. I'll send you a copy. So God bless you. Thank you. And to you. Thank you for listening to the Wounds of the Faithful podcast. If this episode has been helpful to you, please hit the subscribe button and tell a friend. You can connect with us at dswministries.org, where you'll find our blog along with our Facebook Twitter, and our YouTube channel links. Hope to see you next week.